Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 102 of The Yacking Show, the show for awakening you to new perspectives for the changing world we find ourselves in. Just a request, if you like our show, please subscribe to the channel you're watching or listening on. It helps our guests get more exposure, and they would appreciate that. And as always, we have interesting guests for you. Today will be no exception, but it's not my job. It's Kathleen's job. First, let me welcome my co-host, Kathleen Beauvais, down in Waterloo. How are you, Kathleen? I'm doing great, Peter. And uh, thank you all so much for tuning in to the show. We so appreciate that. And we also appreciate reading your comments. So please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And today on the show, we are privileged to have Sydney Tremblay. She is the co-director of the Trillium Bilingual Montessori Preschool. She is co-director with her mom, Melanie. Welcome, Sydney. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. So for our audience, can you please tell them what a bit about your background and what, uh, how you became involved in the Montessori system and perhaps even explain to our listeners and uh, viewers what the Montessori system is all about. Yeah, for sure. So um, my mom sent me to a Montessori preschool. I actually stayed in until second grade. So I was a child who grew up in Montessori. Um, so the idea of Montessori, it's just a different theory on education. Um, so it's more about the child leading the classroom and the child has control of their education and what they learn instead of a teacher, um, like having a curriculum, having worksheets. Um, the teacher does not direct the classroom. The children really direct the classroom and the teachers are there to assist. It sounds crazy. It sounds completely insane. Um, I talk to new parents and they're kind of looking at me like, uh, you sure about that one? <laughs> um, but kids have a natural um, kind of ingrained path in them that they want to learn. And I'm sure as adults, we can all relate. We want to learn and we love learning when it's fun. But as I'm sure a lot of people can have memories of school and it wasn't that much fun and we didn't like certain subjects because it was forced upon us. So our big thing, um, Montessori's big thing is to not force the child and to teach them in a way where it's fun and engaging and what the child actually wants to learn. And I promise you that every single one of them learns how to read and write eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great. Um, so I was in Montessori until second grade and then I did go into just the regular school system. Uh, when I graduated I knew that I wanted to be a Montessori teacher, be a part of this school. Um, my brother was already working there as a teacher as well. He's seven years older than me so he had a head start on this whole thing. Um, so I went uh, last year and did my Montessori training. So that's run through a private college um, I know you can do it through regular colleges as well. I decided to go through a private college because it was weekends, so I could still be working full time as well. And then once we, uh, so I was working in the classroom at this point with my brother, I was his assistant teacher. And then eventually I started gaining interest in the office stuff. We um, opened up a new location, which was uh, four classrooms instead of two. So it was a big 
a big change. Um, so I kind of stepped in, helped my mom in the office as much as possible. And now I'm, that's my full-time job. Instead of being a teacher, I run the day-to-day um, of the school. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. Peter, I'm just going to jump in with a follow-up question. Yeah, sure. Carry my on. I was just kind of blown right now. Um, I, I'm just curious as to, to know what a typical day would look like. So the children come to class, the teacher is there, and there's no set structure curriculum for that particular, how, how does that work? Yeah, so I kind of left out an important part here. The Montessori classroom, it has shelves. So there are shelves with activities um, and all of the shelves, um, all of the activities have a purpose. So we have different sections of the classroom like math, English, um, sensorial, practical life, and then culture is the other big one. And these activities are based that the child can go up to this shelf, pick an activity and do it independently. Now there is some guidance when it comes to, you know, you don't just learn how to write by yourself or read by yourself. Um, So the teachers do assist with that, but we have a lot of independent activities that um, at each skill level, the child can do by themselves. So the teacher is there to invite the child to do activities, to show them how to do new activities. Um, But yeah, the children get to walk in and pick whatever they want to do that day. And because it's fun, because it's engaging, um, they're going to keep coming back and they definitely go through periods of they only want to do math certain days and they only want to do practical life other days. But I mean, adults are like that too. There's some days where <laughs> there's things that I don't want to do, but I can do it the next day. So it's really, really interesting. So what, what happens if each child wants to do something different? How does, how does that work? So they, they go to the shelf, they take what they want and they go sit at a table and they do their independent activities. So each child is usually doing something different. Um, very rarely do we have a whole group doing the same activity just because not everyone's interested. So there's definitely some teachers who will run some group activities, but maybe it's like half the group or even just like five kids that are interested in that topic today. So um, there are some children who don't come in contact with the teacher at all. Um, because they're in their zone, they're doing their thing, they're learning. Um, the teacher knows that they're learning just because I'm not telling them what to do doesn't mean that they're not getting something done. So, I, sorry, Peter, I've got another one. No, carry on, carry on. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, so this is predominantly for preschool, but does the Montessori system go to other grade levels as well? Yeah, so it's, it's most prevalent in... Um, daycares uh, or preschool Mm -hmm. just um, because that is the first level of learning so you get your casa which is your preschool Mm -hmm. Um, that also does include um, kindergarten so we go up to six years old um, if a parent were to choose to keep them in Um, but we do fall under preschool just um, naming wise And, but yeah, there are some schools that um, have elementary programs. You can go all throughout um, your school system with Montessori. It's a very big thing in Europe because Mm -hmm. that's where Maria Montessori originated from. And there are high schools that are, follow this Montessori philosophy. 
and middle schools and elementary schools and all that stuff. Um, but it is another, an extra step of education for the teachers. Thank you. Wow. 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 <laughs> so I could, I've got to throw something in that's intriguing me now. I guess it doesn't apply in kindergarten so much, but if you're going to middle school and, and uh, senior school, as my British terminology, little things like I before E except after C, how does a, a child, you know, I'm talking about correct spelling now, right? How does mm -hmm. a child learn all those rules and conventions about language on his or her own? So the teacher would be there to guide at certain points. So if the child doesn't know it, like there are definitely times like, we need to teach the children this is A and this is mm -hmm. B. They don't just know that. Of course. Um, but for them to learn it and repetitively use it in the proper context, um, there's just certain activities to do. And the activities are set up in a way that if they're done incorrectly, like let's say you spelt something incorrectly, it looks wrong. And uh, the child okay. can see that. Or there are also some certain aspects where a teacher does need to step in and say, hey, this doesn't look too right. Or they'll read it out loud to the child and say, hmm, that doesn't sound right, does it? So the teacher is there in certain aspects to help the child and to make sure that if there's any mistakes or there's any learning to be made, that it is being made. Um, but we want the children to at least make the first attempt. Mm -hmm. And then if the, the teacher needs to step in, then they can. Wow, that's that, that's mm. interesting. So that answers that one. So you, you call yourself a bilingual school. Do you teach children right from the start in both languages? So our bilingual program is not based upon um, specific French classes like a lot of programs are. A lot of them mm -hmm. are, we do half the day in English, half the day in French, or they have a French teacher come in. Um, what we have is teachers who speak French and they're just able to instead of saying let's go wash our hands they'll say it in French or they'll do songs and stories children are amazing at learning languages mm -hmm. it's incredible how fast they can pick up language and they don't need to study it like adults do mm -hmm. children are naturally made to learn languages and mm -hmm. they pick it up just by having it exposed to them and available to them they come to it so um, all of our um, activities can also be done in French. Um, and yeah, the big, the big thing is just like throughout the day, the teachers will speak in French at certain parts for certain little sentences and stuff. Wow, very good. Yeah. So when going through your website, when your mother opened the new location, it, it seemed that you were thrown into the deep end. <laughs> um, <laughs> How did you get it was up a speed? Yeah, so it was a whole process to get started. Um, we had delays in construction, so we had to unfortunately close down our other location without being able to open our second one. We got the okay that we were going to be able to open in a couple weeks. So we had a couple weeks to move all of our um, previous materials, uh, tables, chairs, like all of the furniture, all of our stuff into this building, set it up and be ready for a couple weeks out um, to open and start. So I really just had to learn on the fly. I needed to learn how to say, I don't know how to do this. Um, can you help me? I learned the right people to ask, um, the right people to email, the right places to look. And maybe I 
I definitely don't have all the knowledge and I still don't, but I would say that I know where to find it and I know how to tell someone like, I've got no clue what you're talking about. Please talk me <laughs> through this. And that is the one thing that I found the most helpful is just being honest with your experience and just saying like, man, I, I really, I really don't know how to do this one. Like I'm going to need some help. And people, any professional is very, very helpful. And I've never had anyone um, look down upon me for saying like, I, I, I just need your help. I really have no clue. <laughs> I'm completely lost. And there's been days where I definitely feel completely lost, but reaching out to other people is definitely the way to go. And I know that all of my experience, it could not be taught in a classroom. It couldn't be taught in a textbook. It's just about being in that experience and just getting through it. And some days it's about getting through it, but you always learn and you build upon those experiences, which is really the best way, in my opinion, to learn. And that's a lot about, that's a lot of the Montessori philosophy as well. So it kind of, kind of goes both ways of I'm learning my job the Montessori way. Um, I make a lot of mistakes. Um, I still make a lot of mistakes. There's a lot to learn, but um, I own up to those and people around me um, know my experience, know my expertise and what I lack, my employees, my mom, other people within the profession can help me with. Very good. Very good. So you've sort of given a very good picture there. Anything you could add for other young people about to start on a career and not quite sure what to do or, or how to get into it? What advice yeah. would you give them? Just do it. Um, Just do it. There, there is so many reasons why it won't work. There's so many reasons that you can tell yourself that I can't do this. And I've definitely gone through periods of time where I come home and I'm like, oh my God, I'm 19. There's no way that I should have this responsibility, but it's really rewarding. And if it's something that you want to do, it'll work. And sometimes it's, it's really hard work. Um, and I definitely need to work harder sometimes to gain people's respect because of my age, but it's so worth it. It's so just, it's so cool to be able to say like, hey, this is where I am. And the biggest thing I would say for young people looking to get into any profession is talk to the people in the profession, mm -hmm. get contacts. Like I, I know you hear this all the time in business classes, how important your contacts are. And I never understood it until I started working. And those people, it's not about, um, you know, going out for lunch. Sometimes it's just about a quick email and saying like, hey, I know you dealt with this. Like, how do I deal with this? Um, there's great like Facebook groups. Um, there's really like podcasts are amazing. Books are amazing. You have to take the learning into your own hands, especially when you're young and you don't have the age and experience to add to your portfolio. You have to show that you're knowledgeable and you're, you're resourceful and also just your demeanor. Like if you're a fun person to be around, someone wants to have you around in the office or wherever you're looking at getting into. So everything has such a big role. And I, I really truly do not believe your education is the only thing. Now I do think it's important. You can't go into a job not knowing anything, but um, there's some jobs where you just can't learn um, going to school. 
and mm -hmm. you have to do it. And for the people who still do need to go to school to be on a career path that they want, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And you still won't know everything and that's completely okay. And acknowledge your strengths and your weaknesses and make yourself available to other people and people will make themselves available to you. Mm -hmm. Well Very done. That's good. Um, how has the pandemic affected the way the children are learning? So we are trying to keep it as normal as possible within our school. Um, so within the classroom, there is extra sanitization. Um, the teachers are wearing masks and goggles, PPE and all that stuff. Um, now we do encourage the children to wear masks, but a lot of them are too young. So not everyone can. And a three-year-old does not want to keep a mask on their face all day long. And... I mean, sometimes it does get annoying for me to have it. Like I can understand, um, but we try to keep it as normal as possible. We are still encouraging a lot of the social aspect because it is really important for children. Mm -hmm. So our, our daycare is set up that we have cohorts. So within the group, um, the children can come in contact with each other. So we don't tell them the physical distance, um, like, we're not encouraging them to hug their friends, but if someone's crying and they give them a hug, we're not, we're not telling them that that's not okay. Um, I think the biggest change is language because children cannot see your face. So you're constantly talking to them with your face covered. They can't see expressions. They can't um, fully understand what you're saying, if you're happy, if you're upset at them, because they can't see half your face. And as adults, we can understand tone a lot more. Um, but at this age group, it's mostly expression that children understand. Mm -hmm. And I had a really interesting, um, a really interesting experience with a child, um, I put up a chart with feelings, and there's an arrow that they can point to, and this was to help some children that are a little bit anxious coming in. But I, I, I had just done it with a child that I would say was normal. Like I didn't, it was just kind of one of those things. He was interested in it. So we did it. And I was like, oh, how are you feeling today? And he points it to happy. And then I point my arrow to happy as well because I was happy. And he looks at me. He's like, no, you're not happy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. Like, look at me. I'm happy. He couldn't see my smile. He couldn't tell that I was happy. So this poor boy is coming in every day thinking I'm the first person he sees and he's thinking that I'm not happy. So I think that is going to have the biggest impact on children. Um, I think just the social aspect and the language aspect is, unfortunately, there is a really big barrier between adults communicating with children right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's going to, I, my fear, I, you've covered pretty much what, what I was going to ask you, but my, my fear is that's going to have much greater and more far reaching and longer term effects than anyone realizes. Mm -hmm. And that's really sad. Um, I won't get into whether I think it's necessary or not. So I'll keep that opinion to myself. <laughs> I don't um, want to get banned like, from YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're even seeing it with um, some of our younger kids. We start them off at 18 months and a lot of these children have never seen another child. Like we have one child who mom extended maternity leave. So he's been around adults and he's seen his family and stuff over the last 18 months, but has barely come in contact with any other children and is terrified of other children. 
And that's just such a strange thing that we would yeah. have seen a year ago. And you know what, like we can work on it and we can, we can help him, but it's just, that's not, that's not a normal thing. And unfortunately no. like that is normal now, like a year ago, that would have been extremely concerning. And now it's just like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> So I think you just answered my next question about masking regulations um, uh, are traumatizing to children. I You're seeing evidence. I, I 100% agree. And I can see it um, just within the day. I can see it. Like it's, it's not even long-term, which there's definitely big long-term effects, but you can see it daily. And um, so I sit at my desk um, I don't have anyone around me at my desk. So when I'm sitting there, I have my mask pulled down because I'm not within the vicinity of everyone. And I will have children looking at me from down the hallway or they specifically come up to my desk because they know that I don't always have my mask covering my face. And they're very interested to see what my face looks like. And it's, it's very much like curiosity, like, oh, what does she actually look like? And the other big thing is, I have no clue what half the parents look like. Um, we we had um, the parents send in family photos to just try to get some sense of community, some involvement. And I'm looking at these pictures and I'm like, I don't know who some of these people are. And these are people that I'm seeing every single day. So not only is it affecting the children, but it's also affecting my relationship that I have with the parents. Mm -hmm. And I definitely do find it it's taking longer to build relationships with mm -hmm. the parents because, you know, those five minute conversations that you usually have every day, they're a little bit more rushed. And, you know, like it's a lot of people don't want to stop and talk. Uh, there's this pressure of, okay, I got to be in and out, be really quick. Like I'm not supposed to be here kind of thing. And it's really, it's really an adjustment and it's a big adjustment that we've had to make in the school as well to have the parents connected within our community when they can't come inside the building. Mm. Um, so a lot of that is like a lot of pictures get sent home. We send home pictures daily, but um, Zoom meetings with the parents to make sure that they're talking with the teachers, um, a lot of like newsletters, articles sent out to the parents. Um, we've revamped our website. Uh, Melanie has done an amazing job at that to make sure that we're really out there and our, you can get a good idea of who we are just from our website, which is really, really important right now because it's so hard to just prove that, yes, I can take care of your 18-month-old child, but you've never met me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. we sort of getting on in time a little bit, but <clears throat> I wanted to ask you, what was the, you say, the major benefit between the Montessori system and regular schooling what's what's the biggest benefit for it children? makes learning fun it makes learning fun and they learn independence the mm. children learn how to self-regulate um and they just get to like school is a fun experience uh the children come in and they're happy to be there they ask to go to school on the weekends and that's just because we've created a really fun place to be and what like most children you you talk about school and they're like eh okay but our children love to be there and they ask about teachers when they're gone they know everyone's names like they're the children themselves are very very involved 
um, and they really enjoy being there, as well as the teachers, which is a huge aspect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So the follow-up, sorry, Kathleen, quick one. Follow-up to that, do you manage to get feedback from those children who've gone through your system five and ten years later when they're going through the regular school? Do they start regular school with a distinct advantage, in your opinion? Um, So we definitely heard from parents um, coming back a couple years later and saying that their child is doing very well in school. Um, I think any child who attends preschool in general will have an advantage Mm -hmm. because you've established a routine um but there is a difference between the Montessori children and between just the regular um learn through play that's that's the other big um theory on education mm-hmm. um and we have um an employee that we recently hired whose son was with us from when he was 18 months to four years old and she swears up and down it's us and it's this school that has set her son up to, and he's a great kid. Like he's, I'm, all kids are great, but um, it's just really interesting to hear that feedback because it, it kind of makes it worth it. <laughs> the hard days sure, worth it. Sure. Um, and also just being from a Montessori school myself, I would definitely say that it was, it's a big reason of why I am where I am. Um, I have a lot of learning difficulties, mostly I'm dyslexic. So that has a major impact on my schooling. And within the Montessori classroom, it was never um, found. The teachers never noticed because I could function in the classroom because I could make it work for myself. So that that is always my biggest thing for Montessori that I tell people is my personal experience and I can I can tell you all day long about the kids that I work with and how much um, I've affected their lives but most notably like Montessori has affected my life in a huge way and I really don't think that I would be where I am if it wasn't for having that base of Montessori. Well, I think we're just about out of time, Sydney. We are. How can uh, people contact you if they're interested? Any parents out there listening that are interested in uh, communicating with you? Yeah, we can be found at Trillium by Vingua Montessori on any social media. Just search up our name um, as well as our website. And what's the name of the website again? Trillium-Montessori.com. Trillium-Montessori.com. And just for listeners in other parts of the world, because we have an international audience, Montessori system is available in most of Europe and all across North America. Um, yeah, it's it's it might be hard to find in certain parts of the world, but it's it's very big in Europe um, as well as Asia is another big big mm-hmm. place in the world. Um, North America, it's sporadic, but you look hard enough, you can find somewhere. Okay, thanks very much for that, Sydney. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, thank you very so good. much for uh, joining us. It, it was uh, enlightening for sure, because I had <laughs> no idea. So thank you for that. And thank you all so very much for tuning in. We love reading your comments, so please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And until next time, take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.